Great. Then we're off. Lovely to see you all here. Um, and this is our topic. Truth number four in my first book. Um, a healthy, bouncy business makes turnover, cash, and profit. Um, so this is what it looks like today. We're going to, uh, I'm going to give you a whole heap of stuff, as much as I can cram into your brains in the time that we have. I've got a cold, by the way, so every now and then I'll be sniffling a bit, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, and this is, you know, this is obviously a critical, critically important topic, financial management, cash, profit, all that stuff. Without it, we can't operate. But it's also a dry topic, and I've tried to make it as um, I tried to make it as engaging as possible. Um, and if you want to make it, if you really want to en uh, make it engage engaging, then <clears throat> get involved. Ask questions. Ask questions because it's been proven time and time again that passively sitting there and listening to stuff, <laughs> even worse, being on Facebook at the same time or something like that, it means you're going to forget 90% of what, you, what, you, what you're hearing. You won't take it in, and so it'll be a waste of your time being here. But if you get involved by asking questions, following that worksheet, the worksheet that I've told you that, um, that you've got the link for, you've had the link for before, and you're working through that worksheet um, as we're going, following along and asking questions, putting up your hand or whatever, it really does make a massive difference in how much value you get out of being here. I will, as much as possible, try and interact with the questions as they come up, um, or I might sometimes uh, save up a few questions um, if it interrupts the flow too much. Uh, on the second page of your worksheet is a um, an explanation of the web of the webinar work uh, screen in case this. Um, in case you're not sure how it all works. Uh, and don't do any of this. You're going to get distracted by Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Yelp or whatever they are called. You won't get the value from this workshop, and multitasking is a myth. It really is. <clears throat> this is our agenda. Um, we're going to check in where you are now on this topic of financial management. We're going to talk about the three components of business finance and the four pillars of healthy business finances and the, the three reasons for making profit. And then we're going to go through one of my, I'm going to read you one of my business bedtime story, stories. I'm going to talk about the three lessons from the business, from the bedtime story. Then I'm going to make you a, um, a special easy peasy lemon squeezy offer that, um, uh, that you can take up and that includes supporting a really special charity, my favourite charity. And finally, we'll get into action, action steps, because ain't nothing going to happen if we don't take no action. All right? Um, like I said, any questions, ask. For those of you who don't know me yet, probably about half of you do and half of you don't, that's me and I truly am that handsome. I am. I, uh, I don't believe it myself, really, but that's really how handsome I am. And, um, and I'm a business coach, and, I, um, and, 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 and my mission, my purpose in life is to help small business owners 
become less overwhelmed and less daunted in their lives as business owners and feel great about themselves and about their role as business owners and about their business themselves by having uh, by making business fun by making business fun that's what it's all about for me because if your business is fun it means everything's working if your business is true fun it means everything is working and i'm also the author of of, uh, of three business books business books for small business owners the 10 troops trilogies business books for people who don't read business books but know that they should and so today um, is uh, the workshop is about truth number four from the first book actually it very much comes up in all three books in some way but the first book um, says as you sort of cover off truth for business that sustains you makes revenue profit and cash all three of them all three of them companies are on in any any of those three and this is what i want you to take away from today i want you to walk away enthusiastic with at least one action you're committed to taking in your business um that's that's going to help you manage your finances better a little bit better and i want you to all become really present to how important it is to be great at what you do um, as well as great at running your business because a lot of business owners are great tradespeople are professionals and we all know a lot about our profession or our trade but to be great small business owners you have to be a, you have to have a solid understanding of all the key aspects of managing and growing your business not just how to swing the hammer and these are all those other key aspects in no particular order the rhythm of business i call it vision and goal setting and Planning, marketing, customers, sales, people, staff, control systems, money, systems and processes, and leadership. Leadership, leadership, and what all that, but all that leads to is fun. And uh, but it's just all a bit too much to focus on sometimes, right? It's overwhelming and it's daunting. So I'm committed and passionate to help small business owners feel everywhere, feel less overwhelmed and have more fun. And in the second half of the webinar, I'll give you some information on how I can help you take a step out of that overwhelm and towards having more fun. But first, let's focus on the greatest cause of that overwhelm for you. What is your greatest cause of overwhelm? Your greatest... In other words, your greatest, your most pressing issue. What is your biggest challenge right now? So go to your worksheet. And on the second or the third page, I think it's the second page, at the bottom of the second page, you see a question with some space underneath it. And this, that, that, this is that question. Right now, this coming month, what is the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge you face in your business? What is the thing that keeps you awake most? So take a moment and write that down on your worksheet if you can and i'll give you a minute silence to write it think about it and write it have you got that what is your biggest challenge your most pressing issue given that given that that is your most pressing issue, whatever that is. What's the outcome you want to achieve here today? What do you want to get from being here today? What do you want to walk away with? 
what insights, clarities, what emotion, how do you want to feel when you walk away from here? And if that's what you want to get from being here, it's what you want to feel, what you want to walk away with. What do you have to do to get that? How do you have to how do you have to ensure that you get what you came here for? I can't I can't do it for you because I don't know what you want. So how do you have to be? What what attitude, what approach, how do you have to be? How do you have to take part in this webinar in the next hour? So let's start with our poll. The questions are also on your worksheet on um, on the top of page three. And let me get the questions, the poll out. Uh, here we go. Here are the questions. When I think of my business finances or my business financial management, what do I feel? How do you how do you feel? Do you feel a frustrated, guilty, slack because I know I should be on top of my numbers and on my cash and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not. I don't actually know. I actually mostly tend to keep my fingers crossed. Or B, I'm overwhelmed because I just don't know what is actually most important to measure. Or C, I'm bored because I just don't want to have anything to do with those numbers. It just drives me insane and it drives me to sleep. And um, and or D, I'm excited because my love, I love my numbers and my dollars, and thinking about the numbers just gets me all riled up and excited and hot under the collar. Collar. What is it for you? A, B, C, or D? Click the button now. A, B, C, or D for you guys. Couple more people to vote. A, B, C, or D. Cool. I think we've got everyone. And click, stop, close. Yeah. And, um, Here's the result. It's exactly split 50-50 between A and B. People are frustrated. People, are, Everybody's feeling frustrated or overwhelmed or maybe in case of both. But, and, 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 of course, that's why I asked the questions because it's pretty well what I expect because most small business owners do feel that. They feel frustrated and they feel overwhelmed. And they probably feel at some level inadequate because they know they should look at their numbers and their finances more, but they just don't. And the problem about that is this. This is the problem. Because most business owners know that they should manage the, the numbers because they have been told so by lots of people and books and webinars, including their accountants as well as their bookkeepers, as well as their friends, as well as their everyone's. And hence, they feel guilty or, or inadequate as business owners. They're just not quite cutting it as business owners. Because, this is number two, everyone's actually right. You actually simply cannot build a fun, healthy, sustainable business, ultimately, that sustains a fun business that sustains you for years to come, you cannot build one of those businesses unless you are on top of the finances. And unless 
And unless you are constantly focused on ensuring that the finances are healthy all the time. Ensuring your finances are healthy does actually mean the difference between success and failure. It does. And because of that, we all know that we should. And it's actually right. <laughs> it doesn't lead to a great outcome, right? So let's turn it around. Let's turn that situation around. Let's get clear what really healthy finances actually means. Because I say, as I say in my first book, it takes three components. Revenue, profit, and cash. Revenue or sales, that's the same. That's effectively the, sales, the same thing. Sales, profit, and cash. You need all three, three sides to the same coin, as it were, three-sided coin. Revenue is the amount of business we do, that sales. Profit is the difference between what we charge for that business and how much it costs us. And cash is how much money we have in the bank or under the bed or in our purse or in our wallet, money that we actually can spend, in other words. So it's all about what comes in, what goes out, and what stays behind. And make no mistake, a business that does do enough work and generate enough profit and gets that profit in the bank. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> a, business that <clears throat> a business that doesn't do enough work or generate enough profit or gets enough uh, or or gets enough of that profit into the bank, isn't a business, it's a hobby. Plain and simple. You do not get enough, you do not do enough work, or selling, you know, you sell enough product, and generate enough pro profit doing that, or get enough, uh, and, 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 and get that profit into the bank, you're a, you're a hobby, it's just really simple. But the big problem for most business owners, is that the whole financial management aspect of business scares the bejesus out of them, not helped by the fact that accountants and bookkeepers and coaches like myself and consultants bandy all sorts of technical terms about that are just really hard to get your head around. Cash flow analysis, return on investment, return on capital employed, return on equity, debtor days ratios, break even analysis, and, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what it sounds like, right? I bet your eyes are just about starting to glaze over now already. So today I want us to think differently about the whole topic, though. Different at two levels. Because one, let's remember that it is your business and you have a right as well as a responsibility. <laughs> Sorry, Keith, you have to, have to wake up again. <laughs> Keith was already falling asleep, guys. He was, yeah, okay. Right. I'm poking you now, Keith, with a sharp stick. So let's remember that it is your business and you have a right as well as a responsibility to make it work for you. Insist that your advisors speak in language that makes sense to you in such a, in such a way that you understand it. You've got to insist on that. You've got to take control of this process and do not let yourself get bamboozled by all those well-meaning but impossible advisors um and and second let's not make it more complicated than it is it's just about how much money is left over after you've paid the bills and if that is enough to do with what you need to do with then it's good and if it isn't then it isn't very good 
that's all it is in essence. It really is. So today I'm going to make, I'm going to spend, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about how to generate more income because that's the topic of marketing and customers and sales. We're specifically looking at how to manage what comes in and what goes out and we said that we have better control over the flow and so we keep more of it in my bank account, right? Any questions at this point? And are you awake, Keith? Yes, yes, he said, huh. <laughs> um, um, so if you any questions at this point, stick up your hand, right? Um, or click on the mood button, select the hand up. No questions right now, moving right along then. So, the four pillars. Must be in India, though. Must be amazing place, there, huh? So what I want to talk about is the four pillars, the four pillars of healthy business finances. And those pillars are, number one, profit is important. Number two, there's a big difference between sales and cash and profit. It's a big difference between those three. Three, you have to know, you have to know you'll break even. And number four of the three, sales, cash and profit, Cash is your first priority. Bull. Hands up if the first pillar, first pillar, profit is important, makes you go bull. So it surprises the hell out of you. Hands up if you feel that you would have said that profit is simply the reason the business exists. Yes, well, a few people would probably put their hands up at this stage. They probably would. And a lot of people think that profit is really important. Absolutely. A lot of people also think that profit is simply the reason the business exists. And profit has an, is really important and it has a really important set of functions in a business, but it isn't the purpose of the business. It's true that the business cannot exist without profit and as such it's the enabler. So the function of profit is to help the business achieve its pur purpose and there are three reasons to make profit and all of them are crucial. As enablers. Number one, we make profits so that we can pay our investors and our stakeholders in a business a return on their investment. Number two, to provide the business with money to invest back in itself to in order to grow or develop the business. To buy a new a new oven to bake bagels in, for example, Michael. Uh, Michael. And finally, as the thing by which we measure how well we are doing in running the business. Three functions. So let's talk about what we mean with the first reason. Return on investment, often, return, uh, often referred to as ROI, right? So ROI is relatively easy to explain. <laughs> yes, that's right, Michael. <laughs> uh, I, I want to come and see that. I if everyone, Michael, uh, Michael is uh, who I'm talking to there at this moment is uh, the Brooklyn Bagel Boy, and, and he uh, he makes the most amazing bagels in Sydney. So if you're in Sydney, you should check out the Brooklyn Bagels. And he's just bought a new oven a little while ago. Anyway, so um, ROI, uh, ROI is relatively easy to uh, to explain and understand. If someone, the owner or anyone else, decides to invest money or time into a business, they'll want to get some return for that investment. After all, if they deposited that same amount of money in a bank account, they would be paid an interest rate by the bank. And if they bought some shares, they'd be expecting a dividend as well as a possible capital growth return. So investing in a business needs to have a return associated with it as well. What's more, investing in a small business is actually much more risky. 
than putting your money in, into a bank or buying a great share. So there's a greater risk of losing your money and hence the potential of the return ought to be greater as well. Now this might seem like an obvious principle, right? It's another one of those the um, ones. But many business owners don't take the principle on board. Many business owners don't pay themselves a more or less regular wage for their efforts, and they don't think about a return for their investment of money or time or both. You, you know, investing time is the same as investing money because you could be doing something else with that time. They call it sweat, sweat equity. For that reason, I often encourage my clients to start to start the whole topic of financial management controversially quite the opposite to what you'd expect not by saving money but actually spending more namely by paying them to pay themselves a weekly or monthly wage or drawing of some sort just to get some kind of realism into the business uh welcome paul thanks for joining us we haven't gotten very far yet so you know you haven't missed too much at the top of the chat window you see the a link tiny.cc money l page which is the link to the resources page where there is the webinar worksheet if you uh, haven't done so yet i encourage you to go and download it and work your way through as we go so yeah so for that reason i often encourage my clients to start by paying themselves a regular wage wage or a, a, a weekly monthly wage and or some kind of drawing of some sort so that's ROI. Any questions about ROI, return on investment? Remember, there was three reasons, three reasons to make profit. The first one is the return on investment. The second one is this: um, to invest. It's not a very good slide. I'm going to get a better, better one for that. A business that wants to grow and develop needs money to do so. Even a stationary business needs some free money every now and then to replace equipment, for example. Equipment wears out, needs to be replaced. When a business grows or changes, there is always going to be need to invest in new equipment, machinery, computers, kitchens, equipment, uh, kitchen equipment, vehicles, premises, you name it. Also, when a business grows, there's nearly always going to be a higher demand on readily available cash but we'll talk about that more further on because uh, when we're talking about cash down the track and the business may need to invest in employing and training new staff for all those things you need money and the cheapest and most readily available money to invest cheapest money to invest is money that your business has made in profit so you may say yeah but if you wanted to buy a new vehicle you could go and get a lease or a loan or something right well you know you don't need profit for that well that's you might indeed get a loan for or other finance for getting that new oven but getting a loan is essentially using your profits as well it's just that you're pulling money out of future profits when you get a loan you effectively borrow against future profits that's effectively what it is so it's just that you you know so it all comes down to the same thing to access money to uh, to invest in growing and developing your business you need to have profits available to do so so those are the two basics. Now about that third one, measuring the success of your business. What is that about? Remember, three reasons to make profit, ROI, money to invest, and the third is measuring success. Because that's what a lot of people miss. You see, we need to keep our eye on the ball when we run our business. Business coaches are nearly always fans of sporting analogies, and I, 
I actually hate them. I hate sporting analogies with a, with a, with a passion, but I'm going to use them now anyway. Um, because I do like to think of business as a game of sport, cricket, uh, basketball, baseball, soccer, a team sport. Uh, quick question from Keith. Give 110% question mark. I'm not sure what you mean with that question. So, Keith, if you want me to answer that question a bit down the track, can you give me a little bit more detail on that one? Um, and then we'll answer it a bit later. So, when we play a team sport, so um, so a team sport, I think of a team sport in um, as, as business. And, we, and when we play a team sport, we want to have fun and we especially we want um, to win. <laughs> Sporting analogy, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, it's a game of two halves, uh, Keith. Um, <laughs> so the only way to know if we're winning at any one moment is to look at the scoreboard. That's when you're playing sport, you've got to look at the scoreboard because otherwise you don't really know whether you're winning or losing. And that's exactly how we should think about profit. It's the most accurate and simplest measure we have to keep score. Are we winning or are we losing? There are many other important uh, measurements, and we shall talk about another crucial driver of the health of your business a bit further on. But profit is ultimately the key number, key number to keep an eye on. If you're making profit before tax, after expenses, you're moving ahead. And if uh, moving ahead, and if you're not making profit, you're going backwards. It's, it's as simple as that. You, if you're not making profit, you're not winning the game. So those are the three functions of profit. Return on investment, invest in the business, and lastly, to know if you're winning or losing the game, to keep track. Right? Now, let's have a look at that second principle, the difference between sales, cash, and profit. Because many businesses, many business owners treat them as the same thing. And that's, a, that's one of those things that your accountant might show you. So I'll, 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 go, I'll, I'll slide through that very quickly. If you're falling asleep already by looking at this, uh, just close your eyes, go and have a cup of tea. I'll quickly move through. Um, so many business owners treat sales, profit, and cash as the same thing, and and the, and the, but the three are really quite different. It's really important to keep that in mind. Um, there is a relationship between them, of course, but in most relations, in most businesses, that relationship is actually really. Um, really distant because the confusion that arises for most business owners is that people don't appreciate it in most business transactions there's a factor that has this really significant impact a really significant impact and that causes the difference between sales uh, sales profit and cash and that factor and it can't be seen in an expense cal calculation easily it's com complicated to get it um, to get it in a in, in in into an expense calculation and it is a it's like it's like another dimension that we don't that you know in science we have four dimensions and it's that fourth dimension that's fourth dimension um, that um, that um, that the scientists talk about time and that time dimension is exactly the factor that uh, that affects these three time has a major impact on the health of your business through this thing called payment terms because sales. Sales or revenue is a function of how much work you've done in a business or how many things you've delivered, how many things you've sold, or hours or time or whatever. Sales is a function of the, the output of the business. 
um, a little bit simplified, but still. So if you do an hour's worth of work for a client and you invoice that client for that hour, then that is sales or revenue. Profit is a simple calculation of the is a simple calculation of the price you sell that work for minus the cost of the goods and the labour and the overheads of your business. And cash is how much money is in your bank account at any stage. And the mistake that people make um, uh, a lot is to think that just because you've done a lot of work or you've delivered a lot of widgets and you've sent out a lot of invoices and you've made good profit that it means your bank account must be healthy too, well, vice versa, that you can, and you can look them in, a, in all three directions. And the other people, mistake that people make is that just because there's a lot of money in their bank account, it must mean that their business is healthy and profitable. Because unless you have a really, really simple business in which all transactions take place in cash and COD, the connection between your bank account and your profit is a really loose one. Am I confusing y'all yet? Let's, let me do a simple example to illustrate. If I sell you a thing for $100 and it costs me $50 to make the thing in the first place, I have $50 left over and that amount is the same as my profit. And that's obviously true. Simple sum. Right? Sell, sell it to you for 100 it costs me 50 therefore the profit is 50 But... Let's say, let's say, let's say that you've had to pay for the raw materials of that thing and for the labor to make that thing last month. And then let's say that you've had to pay for your office rent every month in advance. And furthermore, when... Um, when you give me an invoice, no, I'm, I'm confusing the, the you and me. Let's so let's start this again. Let's say I've had to pay. I have had to pay for the raw materials of this hundred dollar thing that I'm selling you for a hundred dollars, um, and that it cost me fifty dollars. So the, the, let's say that I've had to pay for those raw materials and for the labour last month. And then let's say that I've had to pay for my office rent every month in advance on my, my, my premises. And furthermore, when I give you an invoice for that $100 thing, we've agreed that you're going to pay me by the end of the month. And finally, as it happens a lot in business, of course, you being the nasty person that you are, may not pay me until the middle of next month. So that what happens is that I've been short of $50 cash for two to three months before I see the profit in my bank account. And by that stage, I will have forked, forked, up, I will have forked out for more labor and two more months of office rent. And I bought more raw materials as well, so that even when I get paid by you in the middle of next month, I'm still in the red in my bank account. So that means that I can be making a very healthy profit in the business because I'm still making $50 profit on that thing. Even though I'm way behind in my bank account, I could still, I'm still be making a very healthy profit, 100% profit I'm making, right? And I'm still in the red in my bank account. Everybody with me there? Please stick up your hand if you don't. But 
type of a question. You know, very happy to spend a bit more time on this principle if someone wants to. But so, um, let me see if everybody's on. Ah, great, Wendy, Perth, Wendy in Perth. Wendy says, don't understand how that affects me. Um, I get paid when people buy their coffee, so does that mean my bank account isn't the same with my profit? Okay, so that's a great question. Thanks, Wendy, and I'm, I'm sure that others have this have a similar that same same kind of question comes up for everyone. Uh, so Wendy has a, a cafe in Perth, great cafe, Puddle Duck. It's cool. So, um, so that's right, Cash, uh, Wendy, because you're in a cash business. And if you're in a cash business, it changes things quite a lot. Um, Michael, you're mostly in a cash business too, uh, I suppose, um, I imagine. Um, but, and it's the same thing goes for you as well, Michael, I suppose. Um, so people pay you on the spot for the coffee. And but what happens? What actually is what what might happen is that you pay for your supplies on account. You probably have trading accounts with the people you buy your coffee for. So the, the coffee gets delivered this week, but you may not pay for it at the end of this month or even in the next month. And what that means is that actually, is that actually on a day-to-day -day basis, your cash bank balance potentially looks much better than your actual profit. At any one time, you might have a whole bunch of cash in your account. That doesn't actually belong to you. It actually belongs to the coffee supplier. Does that make sense, Winnie? It demonstrates uh, the, the, the demonstrates the the other side of the same of the same uh, of the same argument. You can be you can be cash flow positive, have more money in the bank than 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 you think, based on your profit, and that can be just as confusing. Anyone, any other questions about that? So this is what happens all the time, this confusion and this factor of time. Um, let me see, Michael, makes sense to me. Need to get more people to supply me on account. Yeah, exactly, that's right. Because that's the cheapest, see, that's, that's the beauty of account finance, trade account finance, it's the cheapest finance you'll ever get. Because it's always free. And, um, and then if you pay them on a credit card, it gets even better. Credit card, and you pay the credit card off on time, and you you get you get an extra month um, an extra month for for nicks on finance. So, yeah, lots of people buy everything on account and um, don't pay them until they hassle you. No, no, I didn't say that because I'm a nice guy. So, um, so this is what happens all the time. Oh. And the third factor, sales. It makes it even more uh, uh, more frustrating because you might be doing profitable work, but not enough of it. You might sell one of those hundred dollars things in a week, and that's in itself a really profitable deal. Not many people argue, argue with a hundred percent markup, right, or fifty percent profit. But nice business if you can get it. But the fifty dollar profit might not be enough to pay your overheads for that week. Of course, a very simplified exercise, but still. So on the face of it, it looks like you're doing really profitable business, but your business still goes out the door backwards. So there you go. And I've seen it many, many, many times. Businesses that seem profitable go, simply going out of business because they run out of cash. All businesses, and I've seen that too as well, especially in the building industry, you get that a lot in the building industry in some of the trades, like the concreters. And um, uh, used to get it, especially with concreters and with roof tiles. They all thought that they were so flush with cash. Because they get paid before they had, before they had to pay for their materials, um, 
yeah, so this is with lots of cash in the bank at some stage suddenly falling over and every other imbalance between sales, profit and cash causes business to fall on hard times. The simple fact is that you must manage your business with balance between all three, all three. Which gets us to the next one, break even. And I'm going to th run through a simple sum to demonstrate the principle again to make it less confusion. And I've written the whole of the sum on the wor uh, word for word on your worksheet so you can follow along or look back at it. So, Because one of the really basic principles that you have to understand and manage the business around is the concept of break even. What does it cost me to open the doors every day, every week, every month to turn on the lights? And there are many ways to calculate break even, break even, but I always like to keep it as simple as possible. You know, as Einstein said, as simple as possible, but no simpler. If you have a reasonably accurate bookkeeping system like MYOB or zero or something like that, what you do, what you have to do is a step one. What you have to do is you have to run a profit and loss over a period of time that is representative. The last three months or the last financial year. Otherwise, obviously, go to your accountant and ask him or her to tell you the answer on the uh, for the following exercise. Step two, what you do, you run this profit and loss for that period of time, and then you look for the overheads. In other words, the money you have to pay out, even if you didn't do any business, if you didn't sell any coffee like Wendy, for, like Wendy does or, um, or bagels as uh, Michael does, if you didn't do any business, you still have... Other costs, classic ones are office rent, telephone bills, car leases, insurance. If you take all of, um, if you all take a week's holidays, if you all take, if you all just go and go away, these bills will still have to be paid. That's overheads. Step three, now divide the total of those expenses, those overheads, in the number of weeks that relates to the report you ran. If the report was run over the last three months, then you divide the expenses by 13, right? 13 weeks in three months. Now, that number that you end up with, the total of your expenses divided by 13 weeks or 52 if you're doing a year or whatever the number is, that number is your break-even per week, your weekly break-even. Now, let's say that it's $2,400. That means that you have to earn $2,400 in gross profit to open your doors to continue to exist, in other words. In, and that means that gross profit and, and gross profit is revenue remember sales minus your direct cost okay everybody's gone to sleep great i'm poking you with sticks wake up wake up wake up i'm going to do a really simple example to illustrate it let's talk about milk and before we talk about milk i've got another question let's see ah Variable costs like waste that also go up with more sales. Yep. I'm going to put that question on hold for a little bit and we'll get back to that. Is that okay, Michael? Well, if it's not okay, I'm still going to do it. So, um, No, that's a great question, but we will get back to that. Um, although we obviously can't get into too much detail, but still. milk. I think this is um, Croatian milk. Um, so your gross profit when you sell milk is the price of the bottle of milk minus what you've paid for that bottle of milk. So, for example, you might sell um, sell the bottle of milk for $2.50 and buy the milk for $1.90 per bottle. So then your gross profit is $0.60 cents per sale. 
So if you need to make $2,400 in gross profit per week to break even, to pay for your expenses and your overheads, that means that you have to sell 4,000 bottles of milk in a week before you start to make any profit. 4,000 times $2.50 is $10,000 worth of sales. So because we said 60 cents per sale is your gross profit, you've got to come up with $2,400 in gross profit to just break even to pay the bills. So 4,000 times 60 cents is $2,400. 4,000 bottles that you sell at $2.50 is $10,000 of sales. So $10,000 sales of, of milk is break even. And if you sell 4,100 bottles, you make $60 net profit. So those sums, those numbers are on your worksheet as well. Same, same way. Any questions? I will come back. Any, uh, I will get back to the variable cost um, in a minute, Michael. But any questions about this sum? Does everybody with me on the sum? If not, put up your hand or ask a question. And um, got one question. Yeah, from John. Um, so, what about labour? Yeah, great, John. It's good labour. So, Labor in the case of the shop selling milk is probably best seen as an expense, as an overhead, I would I would say, in this case. In the simple example of the shop, of a shop like that, I would absolutely put labor as an expense. It's a fixed expense of the shop. To all intents and purposes, I know, I know you could argue that in some cases that's not quite the, same, not quite the case, and you know, there's some flexibility, but in essence, to all intents and purposes, the shop needs to have staff there every day whether or not they sell the milk because the labor is like the electricity i mean you if you sell less milk that week if you less if you don't sell four thousand bottles of milk that milk that week but only three thousand you can't just go and turn half the lights off and and that actually gets us to the variable cost like as well a little bit i'll just see if um so Michael, you said, how does that work with variable costs like wages that will also go up with more sales? Yeah, I suppose in your situation, you probably have quite a lot of contract contractors, I imagine. And so in your situation, I would put, if, if most of your staff are, are production staff, the people that make the bagels with you or go to the, well, even, yeah, even the ones that go to the markets, Um, I think the, the short answer is that there is no rule for this. It's what makes sense to you. And if you personally feel connect, if you feel that you are committed to a certain amount of wages every week, no matter what happens, then I think you should put the wages all as um, uh, as um, as an expense, as an overhead in your in your um, in your profit and loss, but if you say, well, you know, I've got contractors and I've got a busy time, you know, they just come in and they and, and uh, they do more hours making bagels in the kitchen, and so it's a very variable cost. It goes up and down with the with with my production requirements. Then I would put the the cost of the wages up with cost of sales. So the classic one for for in the building industry, for example, or but you know that goes for lots of others. With the building industry, I would you would nearly always put everybody who works on the building sites 
whether that's the bricklayers or the carpenters or the laborers or the whatevers, everybody who works in the, in, on the building sites, you would put down as cost of sales as part of the cost of producing the, the good that you're selling. And, um, and staff in the office and your own wages as the manager of the, of the company um, you would down you would put down as an as a as an expense. Um, if you have more questions about that, uh, Michael, feel f or anybody, of course, feel free to ask more more questions. And um, oh, welcome, Martin. We sort of um, probably halfway through at the moment. Feel feel free to download that worksheet at the top, um, tiny uh, from the page. That links to um, the link at top there, tiny.cc money or page. So, um, um, so we're moving on here. So, what I'm saying is, um, this whole thing leads to this. If if you you know that your break even is x x is x dollars per week, you must ensure. Um, that you sell the so if you if you know that your break even is x dollars per week that means must make make you must make sure that you make enough that you make x dollars gross profit every week and to make x dollars gross profit every week how money what is the number of what is the amount of sales that you have to make to make that number of of, of gross profit so that'll be y so you have to sell y per week and you have to invoice y per week and you have to collect y per week whatever the number is and you have to do all three you have to sell invoice and collect all three if you miss out on one of those then something goes wrong somewhere down the track guaranteed if in any week those one of those three pillars falls over you have to make up for it the week after before you get to move ahead again so if you make ten dollars less than break even in week one you'll have to make ten dollars more than break even in week two it actually it's really quite simple and straightforward you can relate it to your personal finances and budgeting for a holiday quite easily so, for, so let's go let's go on a skiing holiday Imagine that you want to go on a skiing holiday in a year, and the holiday is going to cost you $5,200. So you want to save up for that holiday, and then you need to put, and, and you want to do that in weekly. Weekly, you want to save up weekly $100 a week. So, you know, 52 weeks, $100 a week, you put that in your savings every week, then you will end up at $5,200, and you can pay for the holiday. Now, if you in one particular week only put fifty dollars in the in the pot in that in that week you're gonna have to make up for it you're gonna have to make up for that by saving an extra fifty dollars the next week or saving an extra five dollars for the next ten weeks and that's exactly the same principle right and as and as the business owner you need to make sure that you apply that principle to all three pillars work done sales which is delivered invoices sent out payments collected all three. You install that discipline in your business. If you install that discipline in your business week in, week out, like a well-oiled machine, you're going to break even and you will be able to pay your bills as and when they fall due. And that gets us to the third principle that I outlined at the top of the webinar, which is 
Which of those three, sales, cash, and profit, should we be most focused on? In principle, in principle, it sounded like I said that profit is the most important indicator because it tells us how we're doing in our business. Remember, there were three reasons for making profit and why profit is so important. Return on investment, money to, uh, uh, money to invest in the business, and uh, to keep score. And I did say that that's, the, that that's really important. But now I'm going to confuse you again. Because what I'm about to say is going to, is going to contradict that statement in a way. Let's, um, let's go to, back to the sporting analogy of playing a team sport and how we know that we're winning the game or not. Profits, profit's the big score on the, on the, on the scoreboard of business. We, if we make profit, we win, and if we don't, we lose. Straightforward. But while playing the game, we have to be really focused on a few other things as well. And the best example of that that I can think of would be that the team needs to ensure it gets enough fluids. They need to drink water all through the game to be able to finish the game or they'll dehydrate and they won't be able to finish the game and therefore won't be able to win. So as the coach of the team, you need to make sure that all your players have enough water available so they can function. You might be up on the scoreboard, you might be winning up on the scoreboard at half time, but if you if by three-quarter time the whole team starts to get woozy because they... Um, because they haven't had enough water, they're dehydrated, the opposition will run, will run over them. So you have to make sure that the players have enough water available so that they can function. And cash is like the water for your business. In order to win the game, you have to ensure that there's plenty of water for your business to consume so it can keep playing the game and play it to the best of its abilities. And that means that on a day-to-day business, your prime uh, on a day-to-day basis, your primary focus must be on ensuring that you that your cash flow is adequate for your needs. Cash determines if you can pay your bills on time and if you can take advantage of opportunities that arise. If you can't pay your bills, you can't function and you can't develop and play to the best of your abilities. If an opportunity comes your way, invest in a new machine. Invest in rebranding your business or a marketing opportunity that's going to allow your business to grow, make more profit, whatever. You need to have the ability to pay for that. And if you don't, the opportunity will pass you by. And how much profit you made last week or month or year is actually irrelevant if you haven't got the ability to pay. So cash is actually, therefore, the first enabler in a way. It enables you to do business in the best way you can so that you can make profit and win the game. And profit is therefore the next enabler. It enables you to achieve the greater purpose of the business. And 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 I go, oops, sorry, and I go into that topic a lot more in the webinar about the purpose of business. In um, there's recorded one available, and it comes up. Keep your eye open for it. Uh, the purpose of business with a capital P. Um, or if you'd really like to know, listen to it now. Let me know, and I'll send you a link to where you can listen to a recorded one. So. Um, cash is what makes profit possible and profit makes the purpose possible and of course it all starts with sales because nothing happens until you sell something and in theory you could continue but in theory you could continue 
to trade in a business forever as long as you have an inexhaustible cash reserve. In practice, of course, if you don't sell anything and generate profits along the way, at some point the cash is going to run out. But that can take a very long time. I mean, if we look at Twitter, for example, or Amazon, I think Amazon ran for 10 years without making a profit. They just had very deep pockets because they had lots of people investing lots of money in it. So they, and for they were able to run um, uh, in negative profit for a long time, but their cash flow was all right because they were funded. So in theory, you can, can you can run forever as long as you keep having cash put in. But the, and so the third principle um, for today is that for the day to day focus of a business of bleh, start that sentence again. The third principle. Um, as I mentioned, the three principles is that the day-to-day -day focus of a business owner must be on cash. The medium-term business focus must be on sales and the long-term business focus must be on profit. Right. It's time for the business bedtime story, but I just need to have a sip of tea because I'm just drying out. Time for the business bedtime story. Sit back. Imagine that I'm tucking you into bed and snuggling. This is the story about Faulty Towers. Well, a boutique hotel, and it wasn't actually for Faulty Towers, but I thought it was cute. I hope everybody remembers Faulty Towers. I hope I'm not that old. Um, and it's the story of Amanda. The story of Amanda. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago in a country not unlike Australia, Amanda owned a small boutique hotel in the inner city, and Amanda's hotel relied for a significant percentage of its, on its, of its annual revenue on five different corporate accounts. The room rates that Amanda charged these customers was fairly heavily discounted, and payment arrangements varied widely between the five accounts. Some bills were settled on the spot, others would be settled on payment terms of up to 90 days. Now, Amanda struggled to pay her bills and wages most months, even though her occupancy rates were actually very high. And clearly something wasn't stacking up. The obvious conclusion might have been that her costs were too high or her rates were too low. But Amanda knew that her rates were in line with similar properties in the city and she managed her costs tightly. So as it's neither our prices nor my costs that I can do anything about, what else is open to me, thought Amanda, week in, week out. And Amanda was going grey um, from worry. So... Amanda and I came to appreciate the difference between profit and cash, and she realized that she needed to give equal opportunity attention to both of these. And Amanda also came to have a better appreciation of her break-even point. So it was time for Amanda to set up proper controls for both financial factors and to set in place a series of minimum break-even points below which it would simply not possibly possible for her to go. And she did. Amanda developed a series of financial reports that showed her, the that, her that the reasons for her monthly cash shortage was actually that all her profit and working capital was tied up in corporate accounts that were paid over 30 to 90 days. Amanda also worked out what the minimum room rate was that she could ever charge if the bill was settled on the spot. So room rates that were paid for, uh, so what the minimum rate was that she could charge for people that paid her on the spot. And then and then she worked out that rooms that were paid for at 30, 60, and 90 days needed to attract, attract significantly higher rates. So armed with this knowledge, 
Amanda was able to negotiate better terms and rates with four of the corporates. The fifth one, the fifth of their five corporates, didn't want to come to the party. And although it felt like the scariest thing she ever did, she stuck to her guns and she said no to the business of this fifth company. In a matter of four months, things started to turn around and Amanda's bank account looked healthier than it had in years. Amanda actually gained two new corporate accounts, both of which now settle their bills weekly with a corporate credit card, further adding to the health of the business. And Amanda and her staff can now focus on what they're really good at, making their guests feel at home. And Amanda, as well as Amanda's staff and her corporate guests, will live and sleep happily ever after. And the message is clear, as always. You have to focus on the numbers. You have to understand the difference between profit and cash, and you have to focus on cash flow. And saying no, saying no is the most underrated business management tool ever invented. So I'd really love to hear what popped up uh, for you guys during the, during the bedtime story, so feel free to start typing in your comments or questions. But in the meantime, I'll... Um, I'll sum up the big insights we've talked about so far. Um, the big insights. She's scary, isn't she? Yeah, I know. Um, so, the three principles. A business can't function without profit. Sales, profit and cash are not the same thing at all. And um, you must know your break-even point. And finally, on a, finally of those, four insights, not three, a daily, weekly, monthly basis, on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, your focus should be on cash first, sales second, and profit third. And the insights from Amanda and her hotel were, if you don't get, or I'd like to remind you of this, if you don't get paid on reasonable payment terms, you cannot run your business. Second, there are three. There are other ways to establish your break-even that be more, maybe more. Me, bleh, God, my mouth. There are other ways to establish your break-even that be maybe more meaningful for your business than dollars per week, right? So the, the, the example that we ran through before set up a break-even point for dollars per week, but you can also set up a break-even point for for in, in any other kind of uh, uh, form that works for you. I mean the. So Amanda worked it out in, in, in dollars per room, uh, given a certain occupancy rate. So there's lots of different ways you can do, you can skin the cat, but find it in any case. And sometimes the third principle is better to say no to business than to continue to be doing business and actually cost you money to try to that. It's easy. Um, it's much more fun to go bankrupt sitting on the beach than uh, running your business. Uh, Questions, comments. Carla in Newcastle. Carla, nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> Carla said she'd love to meet Amanda, saying no to a big corporate account must have taken a lot of guts, and that's absolutely true. Amanda is a gutsy woman, but it actually did change her business around 180 degrees. Uh, John again. Hi, John. Yes. Um, John asked about the break-even point that Amanda established. It seems quite complicated, and he doesn't really understand it. Yeah, uh, that's great. Um, 
I, look, I, I, I suspect you're not the only one who has that question mark here. The break-even point of demand established allowed her to make decisions about how to manage her business. Um, a simple break-even point in dollars per week wasn't all that useful for her, for her because she needed to be able to make decisions about room rates well before she knew what her occupancy rate was going to be. I know, too much information. But the point is that you need to make the finances work for you in your business. Remember what I said before. It's your business and you need to insist that your advisors, and this is the critical point, but if you walk away with nothing else than this, insist that your advisors, advisors support you and, and help you out and help, because it's your business and they're supposed to support you, not the tax department. So... You need to insist that they support you to run the way it works for you, not how it works for them. So Amanda did exactly that. Right? She, she, uh, she sat down with her accountant and with me, and we worked out a formula that made sense for her that she could work with. And she has she has that really simple number that she checks in with. And the accountant checks and massages the number every three months to make sure it stays relevant for her. Okay, I can't even go into too much more detail about break-even calculations here, of course. That, you know, it's going to send everybody running for the hills. But what I need you to understand is that there are many ways to skin a cat. What I want you to walk away with from this is an understanding of some of the basic principles and their importance. To fill in the actual details that we have, well, that's what we have a conference for, hopefully. But feel feel free to email me if you want to talk about this further, of course, or if you're frustrated with your accountant, he's not help, he or she's not helping you. I can certainly recommend some other accountants to you and actually a little bit further on I'll um, give you a tip that way so um, like I said it was too much it's all too much to focus on right so I want to make it as easy as possible to you that for you that's um, I want to make it as um, I want I want to make it as easy as possible for you to take a step forward out of this feeling of daunted and overwhelmed about all these uh, business issues that are screaming for your attention every, uh, every day because I am completely committed. This is what I'm about. I want to help small business owners feel great about themselves and not feel over daunted and overwhelmed, and I want you to have fun in your business and make business fun. So remember I asked you to focus on and write down what your most pressing issue was. What is your most pressing issue, your biggest challenge right now? Have another look at it. Is it anything like this? Probably not. Have another look at it. What is it again? Because I want to give you an opportunity to find some really simple, effective steps forward in relation to that big challenge, your most pressing issue. And so I've got a really easy, simple offer for you for people that attend the Mastermind webinar. And there's uh, two, two people on this webinar who've already done one in the past. So um, you can ask them. I can put you in touch with them if you want to find out what it's about. Because this is what you get. You're going to get a really powerful written business health check and report. You're going to get a hard copy of my new book, The 10 Truths for Making Business Fun and Building Businesses that Sustain You for Years to Come. You're going to get sit down with me, um, sit down with me via Skype or at my office in Elizabeth Bay, one-on-one -on -one, uh, for uh, 75 minutes uh, to 90 minutes, an hour and a half. To gain clarity and focus about where you are now, about your most pressing issue and what you want to get, where you want to get to in your business, and you will walk away with clarity and insight and one or more simple action steps that will start to move you forward past that big pressing issue and to have towards having more fun. And all you have to do, all you have to do, is make a hundred dollar donation to my favorite charity, 
the Wayside Chapel in Sydney, and it truly will be the most fun and most effective charity donation you've ever made in your life. Um, the offer is also in your worksheet. So, um, any questions, ask about it, of course. Back to the big insights. Remind you once more, the business can't function without a profit. Sales, profit, and cash are not the same thing at all. You must know your break-even point. And um, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, your focus has to be on cash first, sales second, and profit third. And from a man, though, if you don't get paid on reasonable payment terms, you can't run your business. There are other ways to establish your break-even that may be more meaningful for your business than dollar per week, and sometimes it's better to say no. All right? But the final thing we're, on about, we're about now is action. Nothing's going to change unless we take action. So there's a special resources page that goes with the webinar, as you know, um, tiny.cc money L page. And you can see it in the chat box and on the screen. And I've only just before the webinar put something else on there um, to support you as well. So, And you have worksheets and there's room for taking notes. So these are the things I want you to do. This is what I want, what, what I suggest, what I'd like you to do. The first thing I'd like you to do is to set some time aside over the next few days, the next, certainly in the next week, to set some time aside for, to get into this stuff. Be sure to do this because get this, if you do not set some time aside to do something with what you've learned here today or the information I've given you today or the insights you've got today, the clarity you've, a little bit of extra clarity that you've found today, if you don't set some time aside to do something with that in the next few days, then coming on this webinar, spending this time here has been a waste of your time. It really has. The only thing that ultimately makes any difference is what actions you take. So here's a few simple actions that I want to encourage you to take in the next week or two. First. So go to the resources page and download the articles or the tools that interest you. There's a whole bunch of good tools and resources there for you to play with. Then create a, spread a spreadsheet with regular cash outgoings and ingoings or ask your accountant to show you how to do it. Or if you want, I'll email you a, a template for it. I think actually I've, uh, there's a template. There's a template for it on the resources page as well. Um, pretty sure. If not, let me know and I can send you one. But better yet, talk to your accountant. And then set up a meeting with your accountant to do a mid-year review. Not about compliance, not about tax. Forget about tax, forget about compliance. That will take care of itself. Uh, do a mid-year review on your KPIs, on what's working, what's not working from a financial perspective in your business. Establish your break-even point in a manner that suits you, not your accountant. Ask your accountant to help you, but make sure you tell the accountant how you want it, how it's going to help you. Organize that you can get to see your weekly sales numbers, your profit numbers, and gross profit numbers. Gross profit, remember? Sales minus, minus cost of sales. Your gross, your total revenue numbers weekly, your gross profit numbers, and your cash collection numbers, how much money you actually collected that week, compared against your break-even number. Again, 
content book app can help you. And if you're not already doing so, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but start by paying yourself a regular wage, a weekly or monthly amount that you can live on as a minimum. And record this wage in your books as expense to the business, as an overhead to the business, below gross profit. Now, you may, you may decide to invest all or part of this money back into the business if you don't need it to live on. But by paying yourself such a wage, you'll gain a more accurate insight into the profitability in the business and you will start to see how much money you're actually investing into the business and therefore how much money you actually should be getting a return on at some point in the future. I just received a copy of a new book uh, by a friend of mine, Amanda Fisher. Um, it's really good. It's really good about this stuff. She's selling it um, online, delivered to your home anywhere in Australia for less than $10. I think very soon she'll also make it available uh, as PDF or Kindle and that sort of stuff for even less. Um, I can solidly recommend um, that you get this book and help, uh, you know, help you with your uh, with your numbers. I'm actually going to do a podcast with Amanda um, in sometime in the in July August, and it'll be about this stuff about cash flow and budgeting as well. But so look out for that. You'll get it in your email. Um, you get the invite or the recordings or whatever to your in your email. Uh, but go to that um, go to that website unscrambleyournumbers.com. That's where you can order and get the book. It's really cool. And you know, I said before, if you're looking for another, if if you're unhappy with your accountant, I can certainly recommend that you talk to Amanda. I can certainly introduce you to her. She's really cool, um, and it's easy to read. Don't forget, finally, the special offer once more. I'd really love to, I'd love you to take it up um, for only $100. Donation to the Wayside Chapel, one-on-one -on -one session with me, business health check report, copy of my book, um, and you will walk away with great actions to move you out of overwhelm and towards having fun. I'd really love to do it with you, with it, with, with you and you'll get great value from it. I can absolutely promise you that. Any last questions so I said before but please do yourself a favor before you go and get on with your evening open your diary block out an hour to do something with these actions that we were talking that I suggested you will be really, really happy that you did I promise you last opportunity any questions um, Speak now or forever hold your peace. Of course, you can always email me um, at uh, roland at newperspectives.com.au. I'm going to turn off the recording.